Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we're remote. We welcome podcast historian and friend of the show, Brandon Morris, on to talk about his experiences as a black Christian in America and to discuss the beauties of a multicultural church. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Christian People. The podcast. Episode 26. Zexon Swansig. Okay, so if you're tuning in and you've listened to any... Well, first, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, this is a weird episode to tune into because... Go back to last week. Yeah, go back yeah. to last week. Start there. Um, and you'll wonder, like, why do they sound different when they... We probably do. Uh, that's because we are not in the same room. In fact, all of us are in four different rooms. And why is that, Jeffrey? Because of the snow. Oh, okay, gotcha. Are we are we not going to cross that HIPAA law? We're gonna we're gonna cross it. No, okay. we can do. Hey guys, I'm Jeff. Uh, I mean, I can't say the over there is Tim, but uh, Tim, say hi. What up, all? And we have Josie trying to figure out how to mix all of this. Hello. That, that was, was excellent. Delay. That was really, yeah, that was fantastic, Joe. Now, was that an intentional delay? Or was that? I don't think so. Okay. And I'm so excited. I've been wanting to have him on for quite some time. Give some love to my man, Brandon Morris. Hey, Brandon. how's everybody in Council Bluffs doing? <laughs> uh. He got it. Yeah. So here's the deal, guys. Yeah, there was some snow. Uh, and that's really not why we're all in a different room. Um, I got diagnosed with the Rona. So that was a couple of days ago. I tested positive. And so now I'm not allowed to, I'm, I basically have 2020, 2021's uh, version of leprosy. And so and now we're on zoom and on zoom. did any of you, cause I'm the one who set up the zoom call. Did any of you check the password? What was the password to today's zoom call? Dirty Jeff. Dirty Jeff. There it is. Yep. <laughs> it's not dirty. Get at... anyway. Well, that was how I knew. That was how I knew it wasn't like a phishing attempt because <laughs> it was a, a dig at Jeff. It was like this email address obviously isn't Tim, but it's digging at Jeff, so it might be. So yeah, so I have the Rona tested positive for it a few days ago. Uh, I just thought I had congestion. And I wanted to give everybody a peace of mind at church when I showed up. And so I was like, well, I'll go get a quick little test to tell everybody, nope, it is, you know, as everybody tends to say, it's just allergies. It's not the, it's not the virus. And then they called me back and said, yeah, you got it. And so this is pretty much my life for about 10 days. Um, so, I mean, feel? I feel fine. I feel fine. <laughs> like I, it, if, if it was... Uh, if so you got a was, mild, you got a mild case, of very it. mild case. If this was 2019, I would very much be, um, I would very much feel like this was just normal congestion. Like I get every single year, multiple times yeah. a year, right around Which this is time. Good that you have a mild case of it. I, I want to make yeah. sure. I mean, we're, we're taking it seriously for sure. My very much cousin who's four years older than me, literally they're getting ready to pull the plug on him. Mm. Uh, just in COVID COVID's going to take his life. But so, I mean, you know, COVID's real. And my uncle was, he was 
on the fritz there for a little while too but i'm thankful that you have a mild case for sure me too yeah no it's been it's been really strange okay i mean like I, I feel fine i know that there are a lot of people who that has not been the case so i'm super grateful for that and uh very much i'm looking forward to it being being over nobody around me has caught it from me like i don't understand my wife didn't get it my kids um you guys i mean we were all together last monday and uh and no but haven't passed it on anybody yet that we know of so i'm grateful for that just kind of hanging out in the basement on an air oh, you're so your family's upstairs and you're just the only one in the basement that's it so yep. when are we when's the new album going to come out well, I mean, I still go up and I see them and I talk uh, to them. And no, I'm saying when is the crazy. album coming out? I know. Out. I know what you're asking. Uh, you're deflecting. No, I am deflecting because I don't want to answer the question. But no, what's no. really weird is that now I have to wear a mask around my house. Which yeah, but is, when's the new album coming out? Leave me alone. So speaking of <laughs> albums, man, did we, I mean, I know, I know we had to make a cut because Tim actually lost power. And so we're kind of roping this back in. I introduced Brandon already, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, Brandon, Brandon, how many Christian hip hop albums do you have out? Is it four? Out is a relative term, but I did do four. <laughs> four. And I know how many, how many Christian hip hop albums do you have in the in the trunk of your car? That's what we want to know. <laughs> so I recorded four. Um, this was uh, early or early to mid or mid to late uh, 2000s. And that was right at the turn of iTunes and everything was going digital. Uh, yeah. So then it was like, you couldn't just buy CDs and sell them anymore. They had to be online and they charge like money every year. Yep. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm kind of out of style at this point. So I'm not paying to keep them online. So not, why don't you introduce Brandon one more time? Because now that I'm thinking about it, if you're going to go all the way back to when I lost power, I'm not sure I remember you introducing him. So well, so guys, however you're going to cut it in. We are so excited to have not in studio. Is this the first time we've been out of studio? And he was like the one person who actually wanted to come in and be a part of the whole thing and and be a part of the magic. This is Brandon Morris, uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. He is still a Christian hip hop artist who just hasn't come out with an album of late because he's been too busy making YouTube channel. He's got his whole YouTube channel with he and his wife, Sharia. They are, they put together like marriage stuff and it's really, really exciting. Um, you, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say it on our podcast. Uh, I hope it's okay. And kids, this, this will be, well, it won't be as PG 13 as some of Brianna's stuff, but you guys did the 12 days of sex miss uh what that yeah man it was like they were and it wasn't like just sex stuff but it was uh it was how to build intimacy in your marriage like Mm -hmm. in the christmas season and it's it's great they're very funny yeah let me go ahead and jump in there close your eyes close your (laughs) earmuffs let me go ahead and jump in there for you just so yeah basically um my wife and i have a uh, marriage youtube channel um called more love with r&b that's m-o-r-r love with r&b and so the series that Jeff is talking about um, was called 12 Days of Sexmas. I mean, as you already know with YouTube anyway, when you're trying to get those clicks, um, you got to have a, a decent title. But uh, it's for married couples um, to find ways to, you know, you know, make sure that they're staying connected, especially during the holidays, because we're all shopping and well, not a lot of visiting this year. But, you know, we're all doing a whole bunch of stuff to just stay afloat and kind of lose touch with your spouse, even though you're two feet away. 
Yeah. So we wanted to uh, come up with something that was kind of catchy and, you know, whatever to kind of help couples uh, keep connected. And I really like Brandon has a group. Can I plug that to the Facebook group? Uh, sure. Whatever. So you've got the, what is it called? I mean, cause I want to call it more love, but that's not it. The married life, the married life. That's what it is. Um, the married life. And it's, it's a bunch of married Christian married couples that are, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I love it. If, if anybody is married out there and they want to be in a group of people who have open conversations about a lot of things that are fun, that's a great group to be a part of. We may awesome. put the, put the link on there. So you guys are doing great stuff and we love it, but we're um, glad to have you on, man. I would say if I didn't realize that you were a hip hop artist. And so basically to sum this up, um, you're a, a hip hop artist that hasn't put out a, you're well, you're a Christian <laughs> hip hop artist that hasn't put it out an album in quite some time. And you're on the podcast to talk about race. So with that description, can we just say Lecrae is on the uh, web or is on the podcast for us then? <laughs> no, so. no, he is not a fan of Lecrae. He told me in a WhatsApp message the other day uh, he wants to fight Lecrae. So okay, that's gotcha. that's not well, exactly I mean, Lecrae's what he's a Christian hip hop guy. So <laughs> those are kind of a that's kind of a twist, kind of a twist of the words. So basically, what I was saying was there's so much more out there than just Lecrae music. Oh, so, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm a, I, I like Tadashi. I'm, I'm a Tadashi kind of fan. Nice. So, Brandon, we're excited to have you on. Uh, and so not only is Brandon like a Christian hip-hop artist who is doing really good things with his uh, social media stuff with his wife, um, most importantly, I, and, and he's a dad, uh, he is a deacon in his church, but more than anything, I think the title that he wears – uh, with the most pride is he is the GCP podcast historian. Is it, is it <laughs> biggest fan? Oh, that's I gotta fair. say that's Jeff fair. talks about you on every single podcast. So yeah, you gotta be, <laughs> you're, you're pretty much family by now. Yeah. So he, so I noticed that and I kind of started feeling like, Hey man, tone it down. They're probably looking at you like, <laughs> <laughs> about this Brandon guy. I, I'm oh honestly, God. I'm like, I don't even know this Brandon guy, but yeah, sure. Whatever. And talk about him. It's fine. <laughs> no, but here's, so here's what happens is that every Tuesday when the new episode drops, Brandon is sending me WhatsApp messages. He's the only person I use WhatsApp on. He got me on it and everything. And he will send me texts as he's listening. Um, he will go through and respond to the things that we're saying. And then he'll put stuff on Facebook like he is. And you told me that you listened to the episodes at least twice, yes. which is insane because Agreed. most people don't even listen once. He's making yeah, up two for more me. times, two more times than Tim listens to it. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So we're going to have a little fun here in just a second, but before we started recording, uh, I know Brandon got this word as I did as well. We were texting about it, but Tim and Josie, I don't know, Josie, if this is going to mean as much to you, but Tim, did you see that Screech died? This afternoon, like right what? before, yeah, Dustin Breach? Diamond. No kidding. By the bell, yeah. He, he what did skin, he die of? Skin cancer. Skin cancer. Yeah, he he had died. He'd been diagnosed recently. He had some, yeah. he had some issues. Uh, issues. Issues. But anyway, that's not kidding. Screech. Yeah, yeah. He, he just passed. So that's that's wow. Yeah. That's uh, some nostalgia there. Um, yeah, no kidding. Are when you guys... I wake up in the morning. Yep. Uh... <laughs> Oh, the memory. All right. 
because I'm saved by the. Did, have you guys been following, or do you care at all about what's happening with GameStop? Um, yeah, I've been I'm, following it, but you know, I've, I've been watching the ticker as we speak. I mean, it ended <laughs> ten minutes ago, but I'm still watching it. Joe Jimmy. has probably had GameStop stock for ten years, and nope. he's like, "I'm rich." I made approximately thirty dollars off of it this week. Um, I was happy and content. Now we're just in it to like stick it to the, the stick man. it to the man. Stick it to the I mean, man. I'm pretty I'm pretty up on finance news. I mean, I pay attention. I dabble around, but I think I think the the group, the Wall Street Bets Reddit group, are foolish to think they were going to bring down the system. But that's just me. I mean, they brought some people down. They're they're a bunch of morons, but flash in the pan. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to come and go. A lot of people are going to get hurt over it, but I think that they're. I'm not even going to say morally just like like they're definitely not doing it for great reasons, but they're doing it for reasons that like. At least I can I can sympathize and empathize with like the whole idea. They're trying that, to be Robin Hood with the Robin Hood app is what they're trying to be. Yeah, yeah. but Robin Hood, the Robin Hood app is shutting them down and should exactly. just change their name to Prince John app or whatever. They, they came out. They said that uh, apparently they uh, they like ran out of money. They could no longer afford to like front the money. Oh, sure. Firm. Yeah. Sure. So like they just did not have a great week either. <laughs> no, it's been fun to watch and it's been fun to watch uh, particularly the millennials um, and, you know, get really, really excited about just taking down the system. So that's that's fun. Uh, next, less than a week away now is the Super Bowl. Who do you guys got? Never bet against Brady. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Is football going on Bra- right now? <laughs> I thought they canceled the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'm only partially joking there. I, I literally thought they did cancel this season. That was Broadway. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, it's the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Is that who's playing? Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, you yeah, know, right. let's not pretend that we couldn't just hear you type that into Google. So we, I heard the keys moving. <laughs> it was click, 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 click. Yeah, he'll edit that out. Mm. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, yeah. Never bet against Brady. I, you know, who knows? But the Packers aren't in, so it's just sad for everyone involved. Uh, Brandon, who do you have? Um, I'm going with the Bucks because uh, I was mentioning this to someone else the other day that for years, me, you know, some people like myself had just been like hating on Tom Brady. Every time he won, it was like, I just hate seeing him win. And then I realized, Seeing him get this far with the Bucks, I was like, this isn't so bad. It was the Patriots uniform all this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't heard it yet because the episode will drop tomorrow. Don't worry for Are you? Yeah. You haven't heard the you haven't heard this yet because the episode will air tomorrow. Uh, but when we talked about this last week, Josie actually referred to him as Brody. Uh, and so we now refer to him as Tam Brody. <laughs> on the podcast there's no shame that's hilarious no, no there there is there's shame there is shame we're, we're gonna <laughs> mock shame. for a while that's like that's like not knowing the difference between michael jordan and michael b jordan like there's there's <laughs> oh big difference yeah 
There you go. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> so, you know, we'll make that a trivia question for, you know, like when we do the, you know, our 100th episode and we have a trivia looking back on it, we'll say, <laughs> what did Josiah think the uh, quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers name was? And and that'll be that'll be fun. Oh, Josie, I thought you were getting ready. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, look, while we have Brandon here, I want to do something real quick that uh, since we were kind of talking about he enjoyed the podcast. Brandon, you always share your thoughts with me on this show. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share with us and our listeners your thoughts on different things. Do you have any uh, favorite episodes, favorite segments? And particularly, I want to hear you uh, call out Council Bluffs because you have actually been annoyed with them <laughs> at one point. What's that about? Picking on the, Iowa. The Council Bluffs part was more just like talk, like say <laughs> something. Like if I was in the middle of, I don't know, nowhere, and you know, me and 200 <laughs> other people were listening to the same podcast. And they reference us all the time. Just say hi. Like, just hi. Yeah. I think at some point, I feel like you guys I mean, would have been grateful to just fair. get a hi. Yeah, that's fair because their sister city across the across the the river is Omaha. Omaha. And Omaha was so excited to have Peyton Manning yell out their name <laughs> twenty times uh, per town. <laughs> and I mean, you know, right. so you figured. I mean, we're we're kind of Peyton Manning esque. Yeah, you figure, we're the Peyton Mannings of the just, podcast. Right. Just well, go across the river and they would want to be excited about us mentioning their yeah. name as well. And so what's funny is I was looking at the analytics last week and I noticed that um, we do have people from Council Bluffs listening like on the day it drops right away. So they know that we're talking about them. Uh, and VPN, they tune my in. friend. It's got to be. Yep. But if you're out there. I was just thinking that. Right good christian pod at gmail.com council bluffs please write us brandon it will just make his life if if you will write us uh and i think we're also how many <laughs> how many guests have we had are we three for three four for four of uh guests that have offended council bluffs so uh calling them i mean you you were pretty you were pretty <laughs> all right brandon brandon you yeah. and i we recorded two episodes of a podcast together like brandon and i had a little podcast that we were working on and then i got busy with this one and have not been able to get back to it he's been super gracious and just allowing me to kind of do this thing but we we both love movies to a really weird degree like he's my we we just we found each other through my wife's work he's uh, their co-workers and uh, i did a trivia thing for them a couple times and he knew movies left and right and i was like i have found my soulmate and so we put together a little podcast uh it was mixed bag movies because it was mixed races it was a uh, black guy white guy talking about movies from different perspectives and each episode we would do something different uh it would kind of have a different focus or a different thing and one of the things we really liked doing were top five lists and so we had talked about doing this in episode three, and then we never got around to doing episode three. So I want to do it here, and I thought it'd be a fun way to kick into our race uh, conversations. We're going to do top five movies or TV if needed with black and white lead characters. Okay, so it can be, you know, male, female, it can be whatever, uh, but black and white lead characters. And uh, does anybody have, is it just me and Brandon? Did you guys work up some, uh, some of your favorites? Yeah, I've got a list. Okay. 
how about that josie do you got anything yeah i've got a few is it all anime i bet no <laughs> okay uh <laughs> sailor moon sailor moon hey my Cowboy wife loves sailor moon. <laughs> all right so tim do you want to kick us off or yeah, yeah sure i mean yeah, when you go. I, I i will uh clarify this by saying i can't come up with a top five but i'll give you five that i like how about that that's fine um five movies that i like that have um black and white lead characters uh the help with viola davis is one of my favorite actors ever um i think she's fantastic the help is a great flick hidden figures are one of my favorites with yeah. octavia spencer has anybody seen ma by the way I haven't seen no. Ma. Is it any good? I wanted to see it because that's one of the um, what's it? Uh, Key, uh, Key and Peel. It's, it's the, one of their um, they, I think, movies, isn't it? I think they helped produce it, but they didn't. Jordan okay. Peel didn't write and direct it. All right, <clears throat> here is one of my top top movies: Inside Man, Spike Lee joint. Yep, Love that movie. That's on my Denzel. List. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw on Brewster's Millions to take you back to 1985 with Richard Pryor and John Candy, only because I'm a huge baseball fan. That used to be on TV every single Saturday. It's a terrible movie, but it's a great movie. Um, and then I'll throw on, just because I enjoyed the, the the original so much, the remake of Jumanji with Kevin Hart and The Rock and the rest of those guys, I was overly surprised at how good the remake was that and was so those are those are my top five movies so those are five that i liked how about that yeah that works josie yeah. what do you got um i got a few uh similar to the tim i didn't realize how white all of my my tv watching is <laughs> until <laughs> which i guess could be a good. confession but uh i didn't realize how bad it was until like i had to start accounting for it um but like the things i really want to call out would be like uh, Tim's going to laugh and hate me for it, but like Star Trek is does a really good job of, of like <laughs> definitely having ensuring that there is like at least one black lead in every series. So like even from the, the original series in the 60s, um, like well fleshed out characters um, given, I mean, proportionally at least uh, equal screen time with the others. Um, I, and I always appreciate that. Um, but then uh, same thing goes for like Stranger Things, um, Chad Lucas, um and then uh i have yet to start watching it but i've heard very very good things about lupin which is a uh a french show um that uh has cast a black lead um and i intend to start jumping into that like that's going to be my next thing um and then uh the good place the chidi oh yeah 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 he's great all right, so I'll do mine because Brandon, I think, will probably shame us all uh, with better choices. Um, so here you go. This is what I would pick. My top five with black and white lead characters. Uh, I'm surprised you guys didn't say this, but Murtaugh and Riggs Lethal Weapon series. I think that's just so, so good. Um, part of a series, but he was only in, like, I, I know this will Reginald Val Johnson will not count in this to me, but John McClane and Zeus Carver, uh, you know, from uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I just there. What what I kind of liked was that the um, Merton Riggs. It was it was strange in Lethal Weapons because black guy, white guy, and they didn't really seem to make a big deal about that. It was just mm-hmm. sort of they were just race didn't play a real part in in that whole story. But the rest of the rest of my picks did, because there was some tension with John McClane and Zeus Carver. Um, you know, obviously as we always need to say, we're not recommending that you go 
watch all of these movies, but this these are fun for us. Uh, I love Django and Dr. Schultz in Django <laughs> Unchained. I, I, they are just so, so good. Um, the first R-rated movie my dad ever took me to in the theater, uh, it'll still stand out as one of my favorite movies of all time, but Crimson Tide with um, Denzel. Denzel and Gene Hackman going head to head, man, that's so good. So I was also going to pick the inside man, but I, you know, I didn't really see it as Denzel and Clive Owen, like as co-leads um, that's Denzel's movie. You could go trading places, men in black. You could even do like trading if you wanted, places. That one was way up there, but I'm going to throw it to TV in terms of the, probably some of the best relational whatever these guys are best friends in real life and on the um on the show but sean and gus from psych that was just my like those two are, are my favorite now brandon make us all feel dumb with your much no, better picks. no 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 never that never that my number five was a movie old early 90s movie called the last boy scout yeah damon wayans and bruce willis, bruce willis. um and then number four i have lethal weapon four specifically um, because uh-huh. that's when, you know, Murtaugh is married and about to have a kid and all. And then now they kind of have the rel- the relation of, you know, he has a family, he's starting a family. That whole, so it's like a whole nother level of their relationship. Um, number three, I have Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Of course. Uh, Bruce Willis just works well with black people, apparently. Yeah. Um, number two, I have Trading Places, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> that's just a classic movie. And then number one, um, before I go to number one, uh, I have a special shout out, special honorable mention. <laughs> uh, Save the Last Dance. <laughs> what? <laughs> so here's the thing. Save the Last Dance was like, was like the movie when a lot of young people were like coming into their own and like interracial relationships were starting to become a little more normalized in culture. And it was like, okay, so these are the feelings that people have and these are the situations and the issues. I'm not saying it was greatly executed. I'm just saying, you know, 2001, you know, they were, they were opening up the conversation. I'll say that. Sure. But uh, number one, I have American Gangster with Denzel and Russell Crowe. Ooh. Mm. I tell you what. I, I, always I, say, uh, American Gangster is their apology movie for virtuosity because they were in that together and it was terrible. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that I was going to be able to find just one white dude in coming to America so that I could put that on my top five <laughs> list, but nobody in there, by yeah. the way, Jeff, I'm surprised you didn't name a Marvel movie. Um, so I was, when I watched, I loved the first Iron Man, the other ones were okay, but I was like, sort of upset when they got rid of Terrence Howard and brought in Don Cheadle, Chia Scheidel, whatever. Like, cause uh, uh, do you agree with me or do you not agree with me? No, Terrence you're Howard, completely Don. wrong. No, you're completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, like there, there are two people who are upset about Terrence Howard being placed by Don Cheadle and that's you and Terrence Howard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Terrence, give me a call, brother. Yeah. He listens for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. He listens. Yeah. No, no, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, the Marvel movies are all great. And, uh, but, but there was no, when I really looked at it going to leads, I couldn't really make the argument that Martin Freeman and um, with black Panther, um, that's not his movie at all. But 
that was uh, there was there was something else I was going to look up, but was, so I was when I came up with my list, the first four were easy, and I'm like, what am I going to put for the fifth? And I just was like, am I missing anything? And so I googled like movies with black and white leads, and like the number one that showed up on a bunch of people's list was Rush Hour. All right. And I wanted to be like, um, Asian. No offense, <laughs> right? Jackie Chan. Like I feel like. They just went with the movie that had one black guy as the lead. I'm going, guys, that's not. That's and then what we did, like white people, would we just we just claim people. Claim, right. Like, we claim, yeah, Jackie, Jackie Chan. He's, he's ours. Yeah. You're less black than that other guy, so you're obviously white. There it is. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Well, Brandon, we're super glad to have you here. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, this week, we're continuing in our series on racial reconciliation. Uh, last week, we looked at the history and the impact of systemic racism in America. We really talked about how racism is about power structures and then how that power is designed to marginalize people. And in talking with Dr. Adam Alvarez, that if we really want to truly pursue racial reconciliation, we got to be involved in the process of disrupting that. Um, and so it was interesting. He and I went to lunch afterwards, and that's probably where I got COVID. But we were talking about well, and I, I'll, I'll jump into this in a second. Um, one of Tim's recommendations last week was that we listen to people of color, their stories, get a perspective that's different than our own. And so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here, Brandon. Um, we wanted you to kind of share some of your wisdom, your insight, some of your stories and your experiences as a black man in America. Uh, but first, and this is going to be kind of weird because it's really going to turn the question, well, you're going to talk about us now. Um, when I approached you about participating in this series you gave an interesting suggestion that i wanted to kind of start off with um we basically said listen we want to have you know persons of color on every episode during this series and you were kind of like yeah i'll come on i don't know that i need to be on or that you have to have people of color on it may be just okay to hear from three white guys uh we 100 we're not going to do that but we wanted to ask you why that was kind of something you were thinking like what was that about sure um i think when i when i listen to the show and like i consider um the format that you guys have here now that you guys have given josie a mic um so congratulations for that um, <laughs> now that you know he's part of the show um you guys you know presumably have three different perspectives you know assumably that you know you guys seem to be aware of what's happening in the country um, and you're aware of how far back it goes. Um, so I'm thinking like, hey, so talk about that. I mean, I can find a ton of podcasts where you can get three white guys talking about black people in a negative light and talking about how bad they are and how they think you could find anybody talking about that. But to me, it makes sense to have people of color come on the show. I kind of access like a, 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 a just a weird, I'm always thinking like weird that like, you know, what about this? Like, what if three white guys for four weeks just talked about race and mm -hmm. like from their perspectives in a, in a positive light and highlighting some positive things and um, kind of debunking some myths from your own perspectives, like encounters that you've had with black people where something that you have learned or something that you weren't aware of was brought to light and you guys just sit around and talk about that. And again, I think it's a good look. I was just thinking like, man, how crazy would that be to have, you know, 
around and talk about those things. Again, I can get I can get the other stuff anywhere else. There's I'm sure there's a Confederate podcast out there somewhere. <laughs> so that stuff's gonna be out there. Like I said, it was just a, a passing thought. Like, hey, what if? Yeah, no, I mean, I I get that and I appreciate that. I, it's interesting. So I was gonna I, I started talking. That's way about too this. much faith in us. Yeah, a hundred percent, Brandon. <laughs> way too much. Um, I mean, I, I think there's value in trying to give um, the time to it for sure, and and making sure we facilitate that, especially you know, giving our audience uh, something to hear and and the challenge. When I was at lunch with Adam last week, we were kind of talking. I don't know if we hit it so much in the. Um, an actual episode, but I kind of talked to him about how, you know, he was talking about making slow change that we were making slow progression and, and that his, his way is, well, we try to just talk to people and kind of the idea of slowly bringing them along and not just getting in their face going, you're wrong. You need to do this. And he had talked about that as someone who was a, not a white person, that that's kind of the approach to white people who need to be moved along to say, you know, let, let's kind of, lovingly try to guide you along and, and and whatever i think the way that we're approaching it is to say as disruptors inside the i don't know the the system of, of whiteness that as three white guys we can sort of yell at the white people um because we are a part of a, a group that has not done a great job at pushing back against racism and so that's kind of our our desire and so i appreciate what you're saying um but we also understand that we're not the guys to do all of that um but we want to do what we can and so we're we want to make sure that you have a voice and that you have space to to share as well and that we can learn in that way um and so one of the things that adam brought up and then you had actually talked about this before he ever got on the show um he talked about establishing his identity like he's my brother-in-law and i found out five minutes before we went on the you know went and started recording that his name wasn't actually adam officially that his birth name was the hispanic version of that or latino version of that and so he kind of talked about how his process of, of coming into his own identity um, because names matter and names kind of carry a, a weight and a significance and you had already been talking to me about that. So can you kind of share what, what your stories were about that? Sure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I know a lot of uh, Black people in like the corporate America world that, you know, have to give resumes to people and they do all kinds of studies. Some of them hire people, but then when they are looking for a job, they realize that, you know, I know what people are looking for, depending on who's looking at my resume. So um, like I have a friend of mine, his name is Malik David Brown. And so he will put on his resume, M. David Brown. Uh, Like he's had to think about that. And so to get a job or at least to get an interview, because, you know, he knows how to talk. He knows how to schmooze. He knows how to do all that. But to even get in front of somebody, it's like I've got to change my first name in order to get to the building. Um, And then with my daughter, my daughter's name is Jenea. Um, I think, you know, once you say anybody's name once or twice, you, you kind of can, you know, get it. But, uh, you know, everybody's doing virtual school now and she is six years old and she had a specials teacher that they come on and they do the uh, uh, the, the, the roll call. 
And this was just the one time that I actually happened to be home and I heard him taking roll call and he said, Janaya, are you there? Okay, Janaya's here. And then he just went to the next child's name and I kind of peeked over. I saw she raised her hand to say like, hey, I'm here. So at lunchtime, I had a conversation with her and I was like, did that man call you Janaya? And she said, yes. And I'm like, is that your name? Mm. She said, no. I was like, okay, well. Mm. And then I knew right now this was a moment at six years old that I had to explain to her. And, and it wasn't taught to her. No one taught her that it was okay to let someone not call you by your name correctly. Mm. Like she just thought, well, it's close enough. And like, I, we never went over, you know, hey, this is your name and you got to make sure you tell. But we never did that. She just let it happen. And so when I pulled her aside and I told her, I was like, you know, you can tell your teacher, it's okay to tell your teacher that your name is Jenea. And then just leave it at that. Like if, if I go any further, she'll blow it up because you know how six-year-olds are. So she gets back <laughs> on there and um, they have another specials and he comes back on and says, hey, Janai, I see you're here. And she unmutes the mic and she says, you need to say my name neat. It's mm-hmm. Janaya. And I was like, oh, that's not <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, he was very, you know, and he was a, a, a older white guy. He was apologetic. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Janaya. Got it, Janaya. And then, like, he went on. And I was just like, okay. I know that, you know, that at six years old, this will be her her moment of, of more than likely not going to be the last time that she's going to have to, you know, endure that. But she needs to know now, like, hey, you have a name and people can call you by your actual name. And it's okay to correct them. It ain't got to be, you know, you ain't got to tell them they got to say it neat. You can just say, oh, it's Janaya and move on. Yeah, sure. Well, we see that now too. Um, that, and I, and I, to me, I, I want to believe that it's not intentional. Uh, although I do, um, it's interesting how people tend to use people's names incorrectly as sort of an affront to be like, I'm not even caring enough to know your name. Uh, we have a vice president who is a person of color, um, and it seems like people who don't like her can't figure out how to say her name. Um, Kama La is not hard. Uh, and yet you see people, you know, mispronouncing it all the time. Uh, there was, I won't call him out, but there was a, a, a guy on a, uh, on a 24 hour news channel that continued to refer to her as Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. And the guest was saying, you're smart enough to know what this is. And, and it's mm-hmm. Kamala. And he was like, what? Okay. You know, and just acted like, oh, okay, her name. And then later on, you know, you know, Kamala, Kamala. And, and just intentionally, like, I'm not even going to acknowledge your humanness or your dignity. I'm just going to, I know what your name is and I'm choosing to call you something different. Or it's just, it's it, it acknowledge someone else's culture. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, um, I mean, everybody has space to mess up a name once or twice. But then after you know the name, if you intentionally mess it up, then that, that's on you. That's, that is absolutely on you at that point yeah. in time. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a white name or a black name. Some names are just hard to pronounce. And it's just some names aren't phonetic when you look at it. And, but if somebody called me Team, you're like, no, it's Tim. Somebody called you Jeef. You'd be like, no, it's it's Jeff. That's just the way it is. Or Brandon. Like it'd be like, no, it's Brandon. Like, you know how I to do, say it. I do call him Brandon. When Brand, you're on the phone, like, <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, but I, it's, I mean, you're, you're correct, regardless of what people think of, um, you know, politics, 
for Vice President Harris. Uh, you know, reg- I mean, they she deserves at least the dignity to right. call her by her name. Uh, you can disagree with her Absolutely. all you want, but but call her by her right name because you know it by now. Yeah, and it's funny that this is something that we're talking about because as a person with a moderately atypical name, like that's something I put up with. Not not as much frequently now as when I was younger, like a, a, 10 years ago, even. Um, but people regularly like call me Joshua or like mess up my name. Um, like Josie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. And just call me something that I'm, uh, I'm not. And for me, it's something that like, I, I, I it, it doesn't matter to me. Um, so it's interesting to hear this from another perspective of like, I'm the guy that when I like get asked my name at like Chick-fil-A, I just tell them to put down Joe. Cause I like, I am, I'm so used to having it pronounced incorrectly that I'd rather go with another name a la like Adam or Adon from last week. Um, so it's interesting to hear like a, a different perspective of like, this is important enough to me that I want to make sure that it is, um, that it continues to have integrity, something like yeah, a name. I, I think it's, it's, it's intent of the heart in all of this. Uh, like I'm, you know, I'm sure Janae heard her, her, uh, her teacher. I mean, he didn't mean anything by it. And then he corrected it and he apologized and he went on. It's intent of the heart, but I, you know, this isn't even a, a black issue. I've got Korean friends who change their given name all the time. Like one friend, his name is Daniel, but his Korean name is Minsuk just because he knows Minsuk. You know, it's like, what, what's your name? Minsuk? Um, they just, it's, it's, it's interesting how people, uh, feel the need, uh, to change their name just because there's already an idea of who that person is before you even meet someone. That's a, but I think, I think what's, I would say though, I think the difference is there's a difference between saying, you know, like, like Joe, I mean, and we, and we call you Joe and Josie because we love you. I mean, we obviously know your name. Um, it's an affectionate nickname, but but for others, it genuinely is. Doors will open or close, yeah, based sure. on based on you know how people perceive my name. Um, and Brandon, I want to commend you because I think it's so important that at six years old, your daughter knows it's okay to require people to acknowledge your real name. Um, that is her name. And that is something that, you know, so I think that was, that was great. I love the fact that she said, you need to say my name neat. Um, that that's amazing. Uh, I would, I know I, as a parent, if my child said that, I'd be like, no, 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 we say it like, but I'm going, I, I don't know if that needs to be on a bumper sticker or something like, you know, say my name neat is uh, my new favorite, my new favorite. Yeah. saying. I also think that the, 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 the slight difference to, um, from a cultural perspective is also going to be like, so I'll give you an example, going back to like the hiring thing or, you know, jobs or whatever. Um, you know, if I, uh, you know, I knew a guy, uh, Asian guy, like, like you said, Tim, like named Sung Lee. Um, and I think he was by like Mike or something. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how you get, we were close. So I was like, <laughs> I felt like I could ask like, well, where did you get that from? Um, mm. But like, he would not put, his name on stuff. He would go by, you know, like Mike or, you know, whatever, like, kind of like what Bruce Lee did, the same thing when he got to America. Sure. Um, I think the, the slight difference for me is like, if I, if we're just going by the resume example, mm-hmm. uh, some people will argue that you can communicate certain things through names, mm-hmm. where if I saw Sung Lee, I'd go, Lee, and I have an assumption that he's Asian, and that's probably as far as it goes. But mm-hmm. if I see like Tamika Johnson, mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah. culturally, I might think, oh, you know what? I don't need those problems or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, you don't even realize Tamika Johnson is not what you think she is. Um, sure. That's what we talked about last week for a while in just terms of the, the construct of society. Um, we agreed, mm-hmm. I agreed that the difference between Timothy and Tyrone on a resume still means something. It yeah. still means something, regardless of who is uh, hiring. People just have ideas in their brain. And, and that's what we, uh, you know, Adam was helping us walk through in terms of taking a look at racism and calling it systemic. If you can agree that Timothy and Tyrone mean two different, you know, mean different things on a resume, then you have to at least take a look at the title of systemic racism and deal Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I mean when I when I bring up like my instance versus like uh, your your daughter's instance. Um, so much of what I see as as um, like an ongoing deliberate ignorance of like racial um, racial issues in American culture comes from people saying like we've already solved like the 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 issues it's all gone and because I don't see it it doesn't exist. Right. And for me, it was like being called by the wrong name is like a non-issue for me, but that doesn't mean that isn't an issue for someone else. And I, mm-hmm. like just talking about that right now is, is telling to me that sure. if it's something, if it can happen on something like so small, at least something I perceive as so small, then mm-hmm. it, it obviously can happen on something much, much bigger. Yeah. That it's mispronouncing that- a name is, is, is rough, but to deliberately needing to hide your name is another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another level. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's stuff that it's really good. I'm appreciating you so much, Brandon, uh, just kind of pointing that out. Um, I really value, I think, where we're going to head next because we had kind of setting up these conversations. I said, you know, what do you want to talk about? What are you cool with us, you know, kind of going down? And I think it would be really helpful. These kind of conversations and these stories and experiences are not things that we as white people have to normally live with and process and think about, we don't assign um, meaning in terms of, you know, even, even in the way of power uh, to the way someone says names. And so what I wanted to ask you is just kind of share with us, you know, some of your experiences, basically your experiences of black men in America. I know that you have, you know, been really clear and I appreciate it to say, I don't speak for every black person, just like we don't speak for every white person. And we get that, but what are some of the experiences that you've had, uh, particularly of, of in issues of racism in America? What's that like for you? Um, it's it is an up and down, pride swallowing siege that I will never <laughs> fully tell you about. Uh, I, I'd say it's difficult um, because you feel like you're walking two different lives, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it was uh, it was Dave Chappelle. For anybody who's never been to the DC uh, Black History Museum, you should go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a quote by Dave Chappelle in the museum that says, every Black person is bilingual. They speak Ebonics and job mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. And that is the, and you know, and that's how he is. Like, it's one of those things that's like, it's funny, but it's kind of deep. There's the idea that you know, in certain uh, situations, I cannot be my full self. I have to be a version of myself so as to not fall into stereotypes that are, you know, constantly berating people that are watching, you know, news channels and, you know, social media or whatever. Um, but everyone knows, like, once you kind of, t- kind of get to know 
a person of color and you kind of learn, like, oh, like, like, let's just be honest. You go, oh, that, he wasn't so bad. <laughs> like, yeah, because, you know, I don't speak for every Black person no more than, you know, you see Black people on the news speaking for me in terms of their actions and the things that they do. So, sure. Yeah. Hmm. There's a sociological phenomenon called code switching that is, I believe, basically exactly what you just mentioned, like the the concept of of changing based on what group you're interacting with. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to like research that further, that's listening right now. Yeah, I think um, I'd be interested, Brandon, because I'd I'd love to hear some of your stories, as Jeff had mentioned. Um, you know, I certainly don't expect you to speak on behalf of the <laughs> the entire black community, but I'd be interested that. in in like you, like you, Brandon. Uh, apologies, whatever Brandon, whatever your last name is. Um, <laughs> what what have like what walls have you come up against? Where have you felt? Um, where have you felt it? Where have you felt it? Oh, um, so I do have a, a story. Uh, I was in high school. Um, I, I shot my shot with a white girl and it was not, <laughs> I'll say that it was met with much uh, pushback as she told me that her father would not approve of this relationship. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, why is that? And she said, well, you know, yeah, I'm like, no, I don't know. What What is it? He said, well, I don't think he would want me to be with a black guy. I was like, oh, okay. So that was, um, I'd say one of the first times that I had thought about, you know, again, this was pre-Save uh, the Last Dance, though. So, you know, th- these are conversations nobody's really having. I-, I just learned that race is an issue in relationship at this age um what what community did you you grow up in a diverse community or predominantly black predominantly white so i was actually i lived in a black community but i went to school with a very diverse group of kids um so i went to school in towson where a lot of kids were coming from all over uh baltimore to go to this magnet school and so i had a very diverse uh experience um, but again, I was still riding the cheese bus back to the black neighborhood. <laughs> so, so it was definitely two different cultures, if you will. Brandon, have you, so one of the things that I really, that, that I knew that we were going to be real good friends real fast was when we were working together on one of your actual, uh, YouTube videos for your marriage series on race. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about movies and you said that during Black History Month, you have compiled a list of like 15 different movies that you call movie therapy. And it's movies that really showcase the black experience in a lot of different areas. Uh, that, that and, and, and you use those as conversation starters. Mm-hmm. And you pass that on to me, and, and I've kind of been going through some of those. But you said that you, um, you have been giving that out to a lot of your white friends and to help foster conversation about that. How have you seen that go? Like you wow. know, what, what drew you to do that? And, and how do those conversations go? What do you, what do people come away with? Gotcha. Um, so I'll say the whole movie therapy idea, I would like to go on record and claim that I'm sure like someone else has done it and thought that they came up with it, but I don't think it's an original, <laughs> I don't think it's an idea that 
one man in the world could have. So I'm sure somebody else has thought it. But I was just sitting here stirring one day. And I remember thinking like, you know, a lot of times you watch a movie and people just naturally have conversations about the movie. If you think about a movie theater, at least back in the day, I haven't been in so long. You're walking out of a movie. What are people doing? They're talking about what they just saw. They're having conversations about it. Um, and so when it came to movie therapy from a race perspective, um, it's really weird. My wife and I would have people come to us. Of, I don't know if it's because of what we said on Facebook. I have no idea. But they would say, hey, um, do you and, you know, you and Ray got time to sit and talk? And we're like, sure. And it's like a couple maybe. And they're not married or engaged. We're like, oh, they're about to start talking about marriage stuff. And they're like, so we want to talk about race. I'm like, why? Like, I'm not a scholar on race. I'm not trying, I'm trying to understand why they want to talk to us. But people would come to us and we found ourselves kind of like with our marriage channel, we found ourselves saying the same things over and over to different people. And so by the like third time, I'm like, look, it seems like people want to have the one conversation. They want to have one conversation and you tell a bunch of stories and they kind of go, oh, wow, that's so sad. And, oh, that's so unfortunate. And then kind of don't hear from them anymore. And so my thought was, let's have more, let's have at least two conversations. So we have the initial conversation and then I say, hey, here's a bunch of movies you could watch. So that way it doesn't have to be a, hey, let me tell you to go read this book. Some people aren't going to read a whole book. Oh, let me tell you about this thing you can research. Google is so much your friend more than encyclopedias were back in back in the day. So it's easier, it's faster. Go look this up, and they won't look it up. So I'm like, look, why don't why don't you at least be entertained? Yeah. <laughs> Go watch this movie that is that has some measure of art to it to try to get you to uh, understand the message behind it. And then let's just talk about the movie. Like to me, I don't know an easier way to spark certain conversations that have like seriously deep content because this is an actual, in most cases, a real thing that happened. So I would tell people to go watch these movies and I'll be honest, a couple would come back and say, hey, I watched a movie or this one guy was like, hey, I watched seven of your movies. I was like, wait, what? Um, But he was a white guy and he was married to a black woman or he was about to get married to a black woman and he really wanted to understand um, stuff that he admitted that he had never thought about, never had to think about until he was married to the, or engaged to this black woman. Hmm. And so that has gone well mm-hmm. sometimes, but for the most part, if I'm honest, um, you know, you give the people the list and, you know, I'm just like, hey, let's just watch a movie and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. And then it kind of goes away mm-hmm. until on, honestly, you know, somebody brings up on social media or until, uh, what is it? Uh, Black History Month happens, or some black guy yeah. gets killed by the cops in the news. Yeah. Uh, until something happens, people don't really, uh, you know, fades into the bring background. the conversation back up. Yeah. What's what's Correct. what's the what's the top three? What's the top like if if you could if you only had three recommendations to the white community to say here watch these three and let them deal with you. Hmm. Let me see. Um. If, I'm guessing okay, trading I'm places is not one. Talking to the white community, <laughs> no, nah, trading places definitely not one of them. <laughs> um, I would say Rosewood. Rosewood okay. is a really tough watch, but I think it's necessary. Um, okay. Come on, ten three. Uh, we can do top Malcolm five X, definitely. <laughs> uh, what was the second one? Since you mentioned it earlier, Malcolm X with Denzel. Malcolm X, yeah, okay. Um, 
I say Malcolm X specifically just because it's more than just a, you know, like, oh, I don't want to watch Malcolm X. He's a Muslim and I don't agree. Like, that's not why you're watching. <laughs> like, you're watching yeah. it to understand why he felt the way he felt during mm-hmm. civil rights. So, um, so yeah, Rosewood um, with John Voigt and Ving Rhames and Malcolm X and then um, maybe Higher Learning. I know... Uh, We've had some conversation. Me and Jeff had some conversations about higher learning, but definitely mm-hmm. higher learning from like a, a '90s college perspective on mm-hmm. racial issues in school. Okay. Yeah, and higher learning. I know it. I don't know. We we talked about it, but it it had some very interesting, complicated views on race, particularly through the Lawrence Fishburne character. Like I was surprised at some of the things that that came out. I don't know. And we had some good conversation. I don't want to give everything away. So, yeah that stuff has been super challenging and I've, I've really enjoyed being able to go through some of your list. Um, I did sit down and, and was going through Malcolm X uh, and my son actually walked through. He's like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm watching Malcolm X and, you know, kind of through and he's like, okay. And then I pause it for a second. He's like, dang, that's a long movie. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just started. I'm like, Oh, it's three and a half hours. I'm like, Oh, oh wow. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's solid. It's all brain. I want to, um, one of the, things that I, th- I thought as we had been in discussion about a lot of different things that I think is, is unique for black parents from at least from a white perspective is the conversations that you as a, as a parent of a black child um, have to have conversations I'm not having with my kids. And I wanted to ask you if you would be open to kind of sharing some of those conversations, the difficult conversations you've had, not necessarily what, you know, the, the conversations you've yeah, had, sure, but, but what is, what is, what is that like? Um, it's, uh, it's tough. I'll be honest. It's one of the most, it's one of the things that, you know, from a man's, from like a manly perspective, if you will, that like this kind of conversation is the one that like gets me really choked up at times. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to my son about, uh, race relations and uh, you know police brutality and stuff of that nature. Um, it is it's very heartbreaking um, as a lot of parents have to deal with when you watch your child's innocence leave, as they say. Mm. Um, and so then there's always going to be this initial conversation, but there's always follow up conversations because you have a child's mind that's trying to make sense of something that you're telling them, and so. You know, my son does not uh, play outside. Like that was the epitome of of luxury fun. You know, growing up yeah. was going out to play outside. And I tell my son, and he thinks I'm a lunatic. I used to, you know, ask. I grew up with my grandparents. So I would ask my grandparents, "Hey, can I go outside at like like noon on a Saturday? Noon?" And then they say, "Is your room clean?" I'm like, "Yep, cool. Go outside." <laughs> And I'd be gone till the sun goes down. They don't have a clue where I am. They just know I'm outside. And so those days are gone. Um, but, uh, you know, telling him, telling my son about stuff like Tamir Rice, like he's eight years old. He'll be nine Saturday, Sunday, actually. Um, and Tamir Rice was 11. Yeah. And so there was a demonstration downtown and we were supposed to go there and I was cutting my son's hair. And I mentioned this on the video, Jeff, um, on our, on our channel, 
where I was cutting my son's hair and we were supposed to go somewhere down in the city. And my wife comes in and tells me, oh yeah, we can't go because the streets are blocked off because they're protesting. And it was something about, you know, racial things or whatever, some protests. And uh, my son was like, well, why aren't we going? And I explained to him what had happened. And I forget, I feel bad. I forget who it was this time, but he felt like, man, well, it's crazy. I'm glad I'm still a kid. And that was the moment that I felt like, oh, crap, now I got to, <sighs> okay. So I took him out of the chair, sat him on the, the, the dinner table bench, and I just explained to him the Tamir Rice situation. And, um, you know, my wife and I agreed to, to talk to him about that. Um, we know that we have a lot of other white friends and family that believe that my son is too young to know about that. And they believe their kids who are my son's age, they don't tell their kids about that. They feel like they're too young. And I'm like, yeah, that could have been my son. Sure. And so as much as he likes to play with Nerf guns or something like that, like it would, I can't imagine the feeling of knowing my 11 year old son is outside playing where again, psychologically, I know what it's like to just go outside and play and do all kinds of stupid stuff, but still come home. And explaining to him that, you know, we live in a different time now where a, a cop, you know, might approach you at the age of nine or 10 or 11. And so while we know a lot of great police officers, a lot of great police officers, black and white, um, my, I can't have him be um, oblivious uh, of who he is and who he might present to be to someone else. Yeah. And just today, they there was a video released of um, some police in Rochester, New York, uh, who who were I, I, you know wildly way too aggressive with a, a nine year old girl um, was running away from her abusive mom, um, and the cops at least it, it started out of you know hey how can we help you whatever and by the end of it um, they had just decided that because there was so much tension they were going to arrest this nine year old girl handcuff her and try to put her in the back of a car and and in the midst of all this trauma and, and probably yeah. the mental health issues um they had like six police cars show up and were just yelling at this girl uh and ultimately you know just one of the cops was like look we're gonna pepper spray you in the face if you don't just get in the car and and the child had not really done anything wrong. It was screaming for her dad. I mean, this is, you know, you got a whole bunch of officers around you um, and you don't know what's going on. And, and it's just a decision of just pepper sprayer, you know, and, you know, obviously we don't know the whole story. And so certainly we want to reserve judgment. Okay. But we also can see what we see in the videos. And this is not the first kind of video that has come out. We've seen the George Floyds. We've watched what has happened um, and that that's real. Um, and those are conversations that, I mean, as a, I have a 12 year old and a 13 year old, we're not having those conversations about, Hey, you need to be careful when you go out. It's more, Hey, you need to be aware that this is the reality that this is other people are, are living um, and we need to kind of make sure that we are sensitive and, and speak into that. What I want to ask you now is, can you explain the significance of Black Panther? I loved having this conversation with you. Uh, Black Panther, the, the movie. Marvel character? Yeah, the Marvel the character. Oh, okay. 
because there's a whole nother reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 and, then, and then I want to ask you about uh, your time with the Black Panthers. Um, so that'd be, that'd be, fun. no, I'm kidding. No, just, I know we had talked about, <laughs> I know we had talked about uh, just how significant Chadwick Boseman was um, sure. in representation in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I, the significance for me, um, uh, it's a it's a big deal. Like that's probably as cut and dry as I can make it. It's a big deal to have um, the Black Panther movie and character and paraphernalia, all that stuff, be so widespread <laughs> and available. Yeah. Because I remember um, being a kid during Halloween, and yeah, I'm sure we, you know, in my neighborhood, we weren't the only ones. Everyone else went to Kmart or Ames or Woolworths and. Got their Ames. Uh, wow, let's take them back. Got, right. Yeah, they got their um, you know, Halloween costumes, and it was typically a mask of uh, some white superhero. And I remember the the three that I remember seeing were um, He Man, Batman, and Superman with the little black curl right there right. in the front. And so I got He Man. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking to myself then as a kid, like, yo, I'm about to be He-Man and I'm going to have like the the shirt that looks like muscles and then like a coat over top of it because it's always cold <laughs> and then like some jeans and some tennis shoes or whatever. And so we, I, as an adult now, I look back on that time and I'm just like, wow, like I don't realize, or I guess I don't think we realize as kids, like you know, the, 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 the lack of representation. And, and then when you see a young black kid who's wearing this extremely uncomfortable plastic mask <laughs> with two slits in the eyes, two little dots on the nose, and then a rubber band around the back of your head <laughs> with this, you know, with this, you know, white guy's face with blonde hair. And it was a terrible haircut too. Like, it's no offense. It was really a bad, he man's <laughs> hairstyle, which was not the greatest. And... It, it dawned on me, like, as, a, as an adult, I'm like, wow, like, I wanted to be He-Man. Like, this is communicating something to me as a kid. Like, the master of the universe is a white male with <laughs> blonde hair. <laughs> like, mm. that's, that's what's being sold to us. You know, and he's in, you know, he was masters of the, you know, but he's in the front. Like, he's the lead guy. And so when I look now at Black Panther, where... You know, my son can walk into, he doesn't have to go to Woolworths or Ames because they don't exist anymore. He can go into like a party city and see a whole outfit of Black Panther. And there's like a cult, there's like cultural references. There's references back to um, African roots, um, where we've come from. Like there's all this different stuff that he can actually take in and learn as a kid where like it just wasn't that readily available. So to have that figure there and even though Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us and we this whole house cried dude mm. like cried real tears um but to have that figure immortalized and know that it's something that kids now and you know however long can see themselves in because that is where that is what's, what's very important the fact that these kids can see themselves in that character is amazing and it doesn't just stop with Black Panther because the little girls can play Shuri or Okoye or Nakia like it's it's a whole culture that kind of has busted the doors open on Halloween if you will. yeah yeah and again I think that's stuff that um 
the people in the white community, we just have not really had to consider because so often we sure. look up on the screen and we see people who look like us then to, to all of a sudden go, Hey, now we have someone who is representing our culture. And not only that, but black Panther is one of the best Marvel movies. Like, I mean, it's just like way to go. Uh, <laughs> you guys, it was just like, that's how you, that's how you do it. Um, yeah, man, that, that's so, that's so significant. And it, and it's, it's again, so interesting to go as white people, we went to the movies and went, wow, that was really good. You know, whereas for you and your family, it was, I can see myself up there and I can see, I, I can share in these experiences. Um, and, and that again, made his passing so much more um, meaningful. Uh, I loved seeing all, all that to come together. Listen, I know we've taken up a lot of your time so far, Brandon, and I know we've got so much more that we want to cover. Um, I wanted to ask you, since we are a podcast that talks about the church a lot, one of the things that I wanted to to ask you about is being a part of a multicultural church, because our heart on the podcast and our church is is for the church to be multicultural the way that God designed. When you look at so many churches out there, many of them claim to be multicultural because they have a handful of black families that'll be a part of it um, or a handful of Asian. I know, I know for us, we are not nearly as multicultural as, as we would like your church freedom is actually doing it. Like you guys have, have nailed it. And I wanted to ask you, what does a multicultural church look like for you? Like, like what elements have you brought in and more, how do you achieve that? How did you, how did the church uh, just successfully pull off being not predominantly one or the other, but, but really being a, a, a good blend. Big props to Mike Crawford. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So pastor Mike Crawford came here from California. Um, I think he got here in like 2009, um, started freedom in 2010. Um, and I'll say he did the work. Yeah, he did not come out of California and just say, you know, hey, surf's up. We're going to do church my way. <laughs> like, I don't know why I would say surf's up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he came <laughs> He came in and it's like, you know, hey, like, I want to learn Baltimore culture. And he literally got rid of all his stuff and just said, you know, his proverbial stuff and said, what does it mean to, to live in this city? And before Freedom launched, he and even during Freedom's, you know, beginning years, he went to every kind of church you could imagine, like black church, white church, you know, Lutheran church, AME, Kojic, whatever. He went to all of them and just wanted to experience what it was going to be like. And so when he came back to freedom, he saw there was something that we all wanted. Um, and it was already kind of multicultural, but um, he saw what we all wanted. We all wanted truth. We didn't want the fluff. We didn't, we, mm. we wanted the emotional aspect without the, hey, you're going to get a car, you're going to get a new house. It's like, I, I might not, though. Like, like, just give me actual biblical truth. Mm. And so he would preach right. from the word every Sunday. And then you had a lot of people that came because of how powerful some of those sermons were. But we were scarred from traditional Black church, where a lot of it is, you know, pray for this, pray for that. And it's more self stuff like i want i want to you want to you want to break through you want a new house you want a new car and i'm like more yeah, prospect i, I want to learn 
Prosperity, right. Yeah, like I want to learn more about uh, the Lord and like, you know, what is what are his plans for my life, as they say. <laughs> like, you know, what is my, uh, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? All that good stuff. And so what what he did was he saw that a lot of us were kind of coming out of that with anger and like we're mad like how could they preach this and they're terrible all of them are gonna you know whatever and he was like hey hold on a second like don't throw everything away because when you do now you come to church and we're all just like mm, yeah that's deep mm, yeah. Like, like no emotion whatsoever just the mm, yeah like and he's like we're not gonna be a church of jumping up and down and doing backflips but we're not gonna be a church of you know, just stone faced. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mm-hmm. have to. Like there is an emotion when you realize. You know, Ephesians two is your testimony that you were once dead to sin, now you are alive in Christ. Like these are things that should bring forth joy and gladness to mm-hmm. know that you once had uh, enmity with God and you are now saved by grace, not by your works, but because He first loved you. Now you have the ability to love Him. Like learning all these things and being excited about them was something that just drew people of all kinds. Now, the caveat was the music. The music was a big deal because we all started with, we started with a, a, an iPod that was playing literally almost any song. Mm. Um, but then we eventually got off the iPod and we got a live band. And, you know, whosoever wills came forward and everybody read sheet music. And so it's like, okay, well, cool cool, where can we get sheet music from? So we went to Song Select. And at the time in 2011, the only songs on Song Select were, you know, CCM songs. So not a lot of gospel songs at all. Uh, I'm not going to bring up Draw Me Close, Tim. I know you want me to. to. Not Tim. uh, If you didn't, I was going to. Draw Um, me close to you. Brandon has sung that And so we we found some good songs on there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would say you have sung that we found some good songs on there no less than three times on WhatsApp you have sung it I probably did yeah 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 as an example of a song um, you love I would say yeah <laughs> I would say that um you know when we when we first got on song select and we saw all these different songs we were like okay cool let's start working with that but those songs were not really for lack of better terms, appealing to a lot of black people that were coming to check out the church. So mm-hmm. the, the the demographic started to level out in terms of who was staying. Mm. And so um, my wife and I took over the worship team in 2011. And that was a, a sh- something that we saw that I'm just like, okay, wait, like I'm not learned or whatever. Let's just be honest. Pastor Mike saw me rapping and was like, Hey man, I want you to lead worship at the church. I'm like, <laughs> what? like yeah you know your voice is okay and you know you seem to know you know be okay on the stage and we they just need somebody i'm like oh okay so i i I accepted it and i was there for eight years doing that and in that beginning time we had a guy old guy rest in peace mr tally who was an older black guy who knew how to play hymns like just by ear and so i was just like you know what let's do this old hymn and then let's do this CCM song in the same set. Let's just, let's just see how it goes again. Like I said about the three white guys talking about, let's just see what happens. Like, who knows? Let's just try. <laughs> so this was the one time that I was like, let's just see what happens. And so 
a lot of churches that you go through, go to like the style is, you know, all the same, which makes sense. It, it, that's how I grew up. But I noticed that we were losing a lot of the black um, audience members that were coming and they were just like, hey man. And I asked a couple of them, like the preaching's great, but it's music, man. And some of them say like, it's just too white. And mind you, I'm standing up there now and they're like, right. yeah, the music's just too white. I, I can't black it up enough for you. Like <laughs> I'm trying here. And so thanks to having Mr. Tally, we could do all the old hymns that a lot of us remember. So somebody like myself would now come to see and hear, oh, Pastor Mike started church. But then you would also get the music of both cultures because mm. essentially that's what it was, was black and white church for the most part. So us being able to infuse different styles into a set without it being weird, um, I think that was something that we worked on for, for a long time to the point where it just didn't seem awkward. And it didn't seem that, you know, you could go through nothing but the blood of Jesus and then go right into like, you know, a Carrie Joby song, like forever. Like it didn't feel weird to mm. do that anymore. And everyone kind of felt like there was something for them musically. I could, I, I can see music for sure. I mean, even at faith, of course, pre COVID when we would have a choir, um, you know, I would, our traditional service, our classic service is more multicultural than our modern services yeah. um, because yeah. it's more musically diverse. I mean, the choir's up there singing, you know, Brooklyn tab songs and, you know, we're kind of throwing in a little bit of like a New Orleans, um, you know, whatever you call that a little bit from with the orchestra and it's definitely, and then, and then you go to, like you said, nothing but the blood, just sing it like off the sheet music um the verses and i'm not throwing this at you jeff but um you have you have a style <laughs> yeah you have a you have a style um yeah. and 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 honestly the modern music is harder to adapt yeah absolutely i mean that's that's probably one of our biggest challenges and and we're working on a gospel song right now that we're somehow trying to pull off without a choir um mainly because i mean one because of covid but to go we need to figure out a way to branch out between you know from the style that we have we just don't have the ability to do that uh because of kind of the the makeup and, and so yeah you're right i mean having that ability really gives you the opportunity to to do more um with diverse music styles maybe you listen need to listen to brianna and actually bring in some more of that maverick city stuff Hey. <laughs> I'm so grateful she doesn't listen to this. But she, doesn't, I, uh, yeah, she doesn't listen either. So that's what, yeah, talk about it all you want. Um, no, I mean, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's honestly, that's been a challenge to me is to go, how do we do things that, that push and try to invite some diversity intentionally, like branching out from the, I mean, I've been leading worship for 20 years and I've been leading it largely one way. Um, there's not a whole lot of, of mixing it up, trying to do that now. But there's also a lot of times the expectation is if you go way outside the realm of where we have been, um, then it's going to, it's going to challenge people a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, I don't have the ability to do it as much as, as we like, or that I think would help promote more diversity. And that's a, that's a struggle for me for sure. Yeah. Brandon, I would I would also say that another another uh, aspect of it was probably a, 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 a help along with the different styles of the music. Um, we have these things called D groups that we've had since we started. And basically it's like a small group um, mm -hmm. broken up into little groups within the church. 
Um, and so we get a curriculum every quarter or whatever. And we have, since we started, we've twice, maybe even three times done a several week curriculum on race. Like we're talking not Black History Month. We're talking like like May to like Thanksgiving, you know, mm-hmm. like like where we have our opening discussion. How's everybody doing? How can we pray for you? Blah, blah, blah. All right, let's get into these questions for D group. And they're written by, you know, the pastor and maybe the associate pastor or some deacons maybe um, just to stir up conversation within the D group. And our D groups are, some of them are diverse. Some of them are all white. Some of them are all black. But the conversation's happening in July mm-hmm. when there's, you know, when it's like, you know, as a, as a, as a black person to be at a church, to know that, you know, I have white brothers and sisters that are talking about this when no one has been killed by the police and we don't have to all act like we know everything about Martin Luther King in February and there's no, you know, whatever, like this is a good time to just have the conversation. And we would have that conversation for maybe like 10, 11 weeks. And, it was really, really good stuff. It caused people to think about stuff, not just the one time, but like constantly knowing like, hey, you know how we're constantly having this D group conversation? People are constantly dealing with these things like all their lives. So I think that helped us a lot. And to be honest, not just being diverse, but staying diverse. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can't really have a good like discussion on race when you're too busy sitting on a podcast that decided to do their race discussions during Black History Month. <laughs> you know well look i'm not I will in charge say, of this thing well here's the deal when we talked to brandon about it one of the the <laughs> the challenges that he gave us and i appreciate it was like yeah you guys should definitely talk about this so long as you're not just talking about it in february sure. and i think that's a good i think it's a really good challenge and so brandon my i guess my question to you would be in a church that is having these discussions in groups for a while to really kind of promote and, and encourage uh, diversity in a multicultural church, how is that? Let me go this way. There are those who would look at the church when we start talking about race and saying, Jesus is all we need. So just preach the gospel and Jesus will bring us all together. But it doesn't seem like that's, the the multicultural churches who have figured it out aren't doing that they're discussing the application of that and how that works how are you seeing that in your church um so (laughs) i'd say it starts with um like we have a very diverse staff so right now our lead pastor is jeremy dixon who was black our associate pastor, I'm just calling their names. I mean, it's on a website. You can see it. <laughs> our executive pastor, who is Jason Hart. Um, and then we have black and white deacons and elders. Um, and so when we have our meetings, we talk about, you know, how we're leading the church. We also talk about um, how we're all doing, especially when different things are happening um, in the news. Um, whether it was Pastor Mike or Pastor Jeremy, like these guys just don't shy away from what's actual and like you know yeah I'm and and Pastor Jeremy you know I, you know, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this but he said like you know he's a very fun happy loving guy but he's a big guy really tall guy and you know it it hurts my heart sometimes to know that he feels like he has to be a certain way um you know out in the streets because people just see a tall black guy mm. and so he's just naturally mm-hmm. a smiler naturally a happy guy um 
But these are all things that we all deal with and we're able to bring them into the church and kind of, you know, put them at the altar, pray about them and educate one another um, because we are a group of black and white people in, in church. I mean, of course, there's some Hispanic people. We have some Asian people that go there. Um, but, you know, we know that we're all, you know, we have the, the, the need for Jesus as the base. So yeah. we meet there first and then we kind of flush out everything else. I think that's what, again, keeps us diverse and not a church that eventually starts to, you know, dwindle away because I feel like a lot of the white members, a lot of the light, the white leadership there, they're all open, they're all honest. And they're just like, Hey, I'm here. I want to learn. I want to be educated. I want to know. And I want you to feel like you can share. And that's, what's been helpful for us as black leadership to know that there is a platform where we can share. That the church is stronger when the church is dealing with practical issues like this um, and not pretending as some would want to say, Oh no, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. That that's not the answer. The answer is let's, we acknowledge that we are different and God has made us uh, in this way. We also have that dignity. Let's have those conversations and let's flesh this out and what it, what it looks like to challenge the church. I mean, I love that. I want to ask you last before we start to wrap up. Um, you've really shared with me your passion for helping people like foster relationships with other races different than your own. And you have been really good at this. Uh, what's your advice for doing this to like our listeners, if they were to say, okay, I want to, um, I, I want to do, I want to be the kind of church that you're talking about where we're having conversations. What are ways that, that we can help foster those kind of relationships? Um, I think the first thing is just don't assume <laughs> that, you know, a person black or white, like, let's just be honest, when it comes to the church setting, we're all for the most part, I would assume walking in, you know, hey, good morning. Hey, how you doing? How's everybody? You know, you, you got that on Sundays, especially like you guys mentioned uh, during your worship podcast where you talk about there's just days that I walk in and I'm just not feeling it. And I just go on autopilot and I know I just I have a job to do. Um, well, that that happens in that realm. It also happens in the realm of, you know, being in a place where. You know, something might happen in the news and you walk in the door and it's like it's weighing on you, but, you know, it's probably not weighing on anyone else. And so my advice would be to be alert for everyone, like be alert and be aware of, you know, race, racial issues that are happening in the world. But if but even if before that, just know that um, there are differences and there are similarities that we all have, you know, as black people, as white people get to know somebody like get to get to actually experience um, being close to somebody like try to develop a relationship with someone of color. Don't make them a project because that's weird um, and they'll see right through that. Um, but genuinely just start conversations and see what similarities I, I've had really decent relationships with people that if I'm honest, I think they just looked at me and was like, oh, I did not know you were into and I could name a ton of things. Um, old English movies. Or I'm sure you could probably name some things too, Jeff. But uh, it's but uh, but it's like they're culturally not normally black people stuff, if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, like just have conversations with people, and there's a lot that you can learn in terms of how you're similar with somebody to actually you know get that depth and understand a person's story. Sure. Yeah. And that's yeah, a if lot you want to know how to be white, really, really white. You just asked Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ha, ha. 
Yeah, right. Get out of here. Brandon, we're uh we're so grateful for you, man. Before we jump out, I know you had uh we 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 wanted to make sure that we did all of the fun podcast elements and then all of the difficult podcast elements. So you have to sit through that as well. Um, we come now to the time of confession. And I don't want to, you know, Brandon, I've, I've used this joke to the people who don't actually listen to the podcast, which is pretty much every <laughs> guest other than yourself. Um, where I said, Oh, we do like really, really dirty stuff. No, <laughs> we, we don't. But um, let me go first. So, one of the things that I want to, that I, I need to confess, and Brandon, this has a lot to do with you, is up until I met you, I considered myself a movie buff. Um, Brandon has like over 1,200 DVDs, Blu-rays. I mean, like my my few hundred uh, feel just small and, and sad. But when we began to have conversation, we were really bonding over movies. Like we were bonding over nostalgia movies we were bonding over back to the future and the karate kid and we were going through all this stuff and then you were like about a black movie and i went oh yeah no i haven't seen that one and you're like you haven't seen this and you haven't seen this and you haven't seen this and you start talking to me about audrey hepburn and your love for her and like you know oh in this movie she's great and in this movie she's and like you had such an awareness of what I would consider to be white culture. Um, and I had none of that for the, for black culture. I mean, it just, it was like, Oh man, when mm-hmm. I finally went and watched house party, I was like, Brandon, I watched house party, you know? And I, <laughs> I, I finally saw coming to America and, and stuff like that. And, Oh, I just said Tim's and stuff like that. Uh, hey, they're but, coming out with a remake and I cannot be more I know. excited. I'm very excited. Yes. for it. But it, it really, our friendship really made me look at the the stuff that I had. And we talk about this, you know, gaps. Um, I'm going to out you here for a second. Like up until you and I met, you hadn't seen Goonies. Like, and God bless you, brother. I still love you. And, <laughs> and I started to go, man, I have a gap in my movie knowledge. And it's almost every movie that it would be considered black cinema. Like I had just not, I, I had for representation purposes went, that's not a movie made for me. And so therefore I haven't really gotten into it and you've really challenged me in that area. And so that's been something that I've been working on. It's just in my free time when I'm like, Oh, I, I can watch a movie. Um, I start, I have made a list of, of movies that would be considered black cinema um, that I go, why am I, why don't I start there first and go, is there not something I can watch there instead of going to watch knives out for the 10th time? You watch uh, an empire yet? What's that? You watch an empire yet? The TV show? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the whitest show ever. We're going back through <laughs> Frasier again. Um, oh, uh, goodness. So, yeah, but I mean, but just, like I said, goodness. you know, when I had the opportunity to sit down and watch something, I went, let, let's go to Malcolm X this time, you know, let's, sure. let's do stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so Brandon, I appreciate you in that way. You've challenged me a lot, but that was something that I really went and looked at my life and went, I have completely ignored a whole section of pop culture uh, just because I, for some reason or another, it just, felt like eh, it wasn't made for me um and that's not that's not the I'll right jump way. on that confession because uh, you know the, there's there now that you're talking about it i mean there's definitely white movies and black movies but there's also you know you know movies that just kind of show the actual <clears throat> mix of society but i think i think from the white community perspective when we would think black movie 
we'd probably immediately think Tyler Perry. You know, we wouldn't think yeah. we wouldn't think the black movies that are actually uh, moving society or actually, you know, uh, you know, showing community, showing problems, showing, uh, you know, different things. And we just think Tyler Perry, Medea, you know, whatever else, because um, I, I feel like I feel like those those movies get a whole lot more commercial time than, oh, yeah. You know, then you know Jamie Fox sitting on on uh, Death Row, whatever movie that was. I that was a fantastic movie. Chess but, you know, Thank you. So I, I mean, I saw it. It was wonderful. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. about it. I didn't know about it until it was like already out. But Tyler Perry mm-hmm. movies, I know for a year before those suckers <laughs> come out, and I, it's just I, I think the good movies that that the white community can learn about the black community. Sometimes we we just don't even know about it. Um, and I, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just, I'm saying that's, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Josie, you got anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, so earlier we had talked about um, this idea of, uh, you know, people not necessarily needing to think of like white people in the white community, not necessarily needing to think about the same things that people in the black community need to think about worrying about otherwise, and I had I had referenced that I, I think they're a good portion of like what causes um, <clears throat> racial tension is like a deliberate ignorance on the part of, of white society and saying like this isn't a problem for me. Um, all of like the bad stuff is no longer happening, quote unquote. Um, and there's like all these other reasons. They just try to like dismiss the concern and dismiss the things that are like outright in their face. I. I f- find myself not falling into that camp but falling into um a similar camp of like understanding and recognizing that these things are issues and that these things are out there but like struggling to motivate myself sometimes i find myself occasionally going like yeah this doesn't affect me so i like i I struggle to like care about it um and that is that is a, a core critical issue with with myself i I don't struggle with it a lot, but I struggle with it more with more than I would like to. Um, I figured since you guys had uh, really happy uh, confessions, I might bring us back down. Um, but mm. yeah, I just like that is something that it, it's hard to find the means with which to care sometimes um, because it seems that in the face of how overwhelming these issues are, um, sometimes you just kind of question like, what can I do as an individual? Mm. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that Josie. All right, Brandon, you got any confessions? Sure. Um, I, I have to say like as a black man, um, as a Christian, you know, I have to remember grace. Um, like I remember, you know, like, you know, reading, the Bible when it said, you know, Christ was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, and so to just kind of parallel that, um, it, it does get frustrating sometimes, you know, for me, uh, because like myself and a lot of other black folks, you know, you meet white people and they're just like, oh, I just, I had no idea. And, it's, and it just gets very angering and frustrating. Um, however, my wife and I have kind of decided to take a stance against frustration because it's not helping the situation <laughs> you know like i can be mad and walk away but the, you're, you're still standing there like hey but i'm here though like i still want to know and still want to understand and so um i have to battle uh 
the, the anger and the frustration at times where, you know, I've had some really sincere people like start convers like white people start conversations with me and be like, hey, look, I'm sorry. I am, you know, 40, 50 something years old and I've never had to think about this. That was wrong. I'm here now. Like, let's, 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 let's talk. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like we are, the, you know, God brought us to this moment. Let's take advantage of it. And so, you know, I, I think that for me, there's more merit in being able to share stories and share this whole point of reconciliation, share what, you know, we might believe can get us there than to just be upset, be angry, and then go hang out with other black people and, you know, talk crap folk and talk about like, nah, nah, man, nah. Not in, especially not in church, not at all. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, guys, we're up to great Christian people. Let's end this and let's feel better about ourselves. Um, anybody got one? We already mentioned Mike Crawford. I'm going to throw his name out there. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, starting a church in that way, um, saying, you know, I don't care what color you are, you know, come on in and we're going to sing both sides of the, you know, we're going to sing both styles of song is not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, Brandon, as you were mentioned just two seconds ago, it's so much easier just to retreat to our own community um, because, you know, actually stepping into the void and doing the work is work. It's work. And so it's yeah. so much easier to step back. And so I've, I've known uh, Crawford for not the full 10 years that he's been in Maryland, but I've always had a good admiration of him. And uh, uh, he is, um, he is a, a, one of the most visionary people I've ever met. And, oh my gosh! Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I every time I get an opportunity to talk to him, I always get a you know I always pick his brain as much as I can because I, I value his opinion for sure. So great Christian people, I'll throw out there, Mike Crawford, pastor, yes. former pastor of uh, Freedom Church. Yes. <laughs> yes. Josie, what do you got? Um, we mentioned at the end of last week's episode. Um, we just did, we didn't do a blooper and said we did like a book recommendation. Yeah. Um, I'd want to call out uh, the author of that book, Jamar Tisby. Um, yeah just a a very very he's articulate he 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 knows how to explain things and has is talking about topics that just have never been addressed we talk about race and that's always that's always a a, a matter of conversation that we have um in these communities but like for him to dig down and look into things such as like racial issues in the church and explaining the history of like how the church could support slavery um it's just like very, very educational. He's, he's a well worth the read. If, uh, if I can reiterate that from last week, um, color of compromises was his book that he, he wrote. He just yeah. has a new one now. He has a new one out now. I got it. That's the one we're going to be working through in a small group, the, um, how to fight racism. Um, he's even, he's even giving his time like in a Facebook group to walk through people who, you know, walk with people who want to go through his book chapter mm -hmm. by chapter each week. Um, and it's just, so he's still, and, and I'm a part of that group. There's a whole lot of white people in it and he's really giving his time to, uh, to go through that. And so, yeah, by the way, Josie, I want to commend you because um, when I listened back to last week's episode and normally I sit through to go, okay, what, you know, what did you pull out for the blooper? Um, you're, taking that time and, and giving voice to promote uh, that uh, choked me up, man. I was, uh, I was really moved by that. And I, I hope we can keep doing that. Brandon, what do you got for your great Christian people? Um, my great Christian people, I'm going to make it real quick. It's a three-way tie between 
Um, my current lead pastor, Pastor Jeremy Dixon, um, this guy literally does a lot for the church. He has he took a literal baton <laughs> that they had mm-hmm. Freedom Church printed on from Pastor Mike and has continued his vision um, and, you know, grown the church. And he, he doesn't get he gets a, a lot of recognition. But I just want to say, like, I personally look at him as somebody who uh, is uh, an amazing leader. Um, the second one is my wife, who I, I learn a lot from my wife when it comes to grace. We're just talking about that a few seconds ago. My wife has so much grace and patience and I don't. So I look to her for that. And then lastly, um, to kind of spoil uh, Tim's tease, uh, Jeff Higgins. Yes! And I I only, I'm using that moment right now because um, Jeff has, you know, you know, he has actually been doing the work of the conversations that we've had, and he definitely appears to be interested in the conversation. <laughs> and, you know, he's asking questions, he's sharing, and, he's, and I think the biggest thing about it, especially in the church, that we all need is transparency. He's very transparent. He'll say, like, bro, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and I can appreciate that. I'd rather... You know, people say like, hey, I have zero idea or I have just be honest rather than put on some kind of whatever to make it seem like you're something that you're not. Just be transparent. And Jeff does that. So I'll give that I will give that one to him. So, Brandon, I'm honored that you would say that. Um, I also want to say of all of the episodes that we've done, I feel like I would be a I would be. a good person to fall into this category for every episode, except for this series, like worship. <laughs> I'm your guy, not a legalist. That's me. Outrage series. Yeah. You should a hundred percent throw me as your great Christian person. Uh, I, I don't feel worthy of that at all. Um, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And so I, I wish I could turn my screen around so you could see this. My great Christian person uh, will surprise no one. Uh, he is on the show as well today. And that is Brandon. Uh, he is not my. Oh, I thought it was Sky Jatani. So it like, was oh, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> Come on, guy. Uh, no, Brandon, you are not my black friend. You are my friend. <laughs> like you were just my friend. And it's funny that you talked about Sharia having patience and grace. Uh, you have given that to me uh, more than you realize. Uh, to be able to have a friendship where you can have the confidence and the security to say, I may say something wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway and, and give permission to say, Hey dummy, that's, that's not really what we're talking about. Um, you have never shamed me into going, dude, I love Audrey Hepburn. Why haven't you seen uh, higher learning? Um, and so you have, you have challenged me in that way. And I, I'm so grateful for you, man. I'm grateful for your support of this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for you just in, in so many things uh, that you're doing. So Brandon, we just want to say uh, on behalf of the other guys, thank you so much for being willing to give your time and to be a part of this. We are super grateful for you. Um, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, and, and we couldn't, I, I appreciate your flexibility uh, with me having the Rona and the snow and everything, uh, just having to make this work. And so uh, we just want to say thank you to Brandon for coming on. Guys, if you are on social media, I know you, you know, follow us, whatever, 
But follow Brandon and his wife, the good work that they're doing. More Love with R&B is on YouTube, The Married Life uh, on Facebook. You can be a part of that group. It really will challenge you. Uh, and then at some point, once we get him to re-up his uh, R&B career, that's just going to be amazing <laughs> career that's going to be uh it's going to be amazing so guys thank you so much for checking us out on this weird episode uh follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at gcp pod and we would love to hear your conversation join your voice with the conversation that's going on at good christian pod at gmail.com Next week, we're going to continue our discussion on racial reconciliation as we welcome the executive director of the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware, to talk about the complicated history of the Southern Baptists. We'll look at where we've been and where we are now, as well as some practical steps we can take to bring about racial reconciliation in our churches. This week, be a friend, go disrupt, and until then, be good. listening to good christian people the podcast today's episode was recorded on monday february 1st 2021 by jeff higgins and tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to hear more of our content please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on twitter or facebook at, at gcppod If you'd like to engage more with today's subject matter, we'd like to recommend Jesus and the Disinherited, written by Howard Thurman in 1949. Howard Thurman was a powerful civil rights leader and minister in his lifetime, and in his book discusses applications of Jesus's teachings through the experiences of the oppressed. Jesus and the Disinherited is available in paperback, audiobook, and ebook from your favorite, all-powerful, online retail conglomerate.